This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Matt Bolin and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. I didn't introduce myself for those of you that don't know who I am. I guess I should say I was going to look. Oh, good. They got it up there. I, I wondered if they put question marks at the end right there, um, but they haven't changed it yet. So I'm still the associate pastor, apparently. Um, but uh, I will tell you this. So uh, my name is Matt Bolin. I, 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 I was the associate pastor here for the last, uh, I think, nine years I was here at the church. Um, this last June, the Lord started speaking to me, and I shared a little bit about this uh, back in October. But uh, the Lord really started speaking to my heart on an opportunity that I never thought I would take. And um, make a long story short, uh, I met with pastor about it, said this is what the Lord's put on my heart. Uh, there was an opportunity opening up at Trinity Christian School to be the athletic director. I said, I don't know why. I said, I didn't think I'd ever leave for this, but I feel like this is what the Lord has put on my heart to do. And so uh, I, I just took a step of faith. Um, asked pastor, talked to him about it. He's 100% behind it. He said, if this is what the Lord's put on your heart to do, I, I trust the Lord as much as you trust the Lord. I believe that he'll bring the right person to fill your shoes, to fill your spot. And I believe that God's going to bless you as he's going to bless us. And it was incredible to have a man of God who isn't led by men, but is led by God and by the peace of God. And I'm so grateful for that. And so uh, January 1st, I started my job, a new job at the, as the athletic director at Trinity Christian. Uh, things are going well. I, I ask continually, please be praying for me. Uh, it's just, uh, there's a lot on that, and I will take every prayer that you, you can send my way, but uh, I'm so grateful that I get an opportunity to come back and speak every once in a while with you guys. I love this part. This is, uh, this was some of the fun stuff I love to do, and so pastors granted me the great privilege of being able to speak with you guys, so tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about adding God's flavor to your life, adding God's flavor to your life, and so um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to get started. Matthew chapter 5. While you're doing that, I'd love to pray, and we'll get flying along and going. So let's pray. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for the great privilege that we have to come into your house. Father, I am so grateful that we have a church that we can come to on a Wednesday night to refresh our souls, to refresh our spirits, to continue to fill us up, that, Father, we can go throughout this week strong, energized, and excited about what you're doing. And so, Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we can come into your house and to worship you just like we did tonight. And, Father, that you would share an incredible message tonight. Father, that you would use me to share this message with simplicity and clarity. Father, that you would give me thoughts and ideas, things that I'd plan on not saying so that a life would be touched tonight. So, Lord, I pray that you would open hearts and ears. Father, that we'd be able to hear, receive, and understand your word tonight. And so, Lord, we thank you, we love you, and we honor you in this place. And we look for you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, we're Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is what we're going to read. And so the title of my part right here says, Teaching About Salt and Light. And so I want you to think about this, this scripture as we're talking about this, because I've read this scripture so many times, but I'm going to go at it a little bit different angle, something a little bit different on it. And so I encourage you that you be open and receive this. So it starts here, verse 13, it says, You are the salt of the earth. That you are the salt of the earth. You and I, that's who he's talking to right here. And so you've got to remember what's happening here. This is the very beginning of Jesus sharing the greatest sermon that most of say has ever been preached. He's sharing the Sermon on the Mount. He, and the great thing about this, he pulls his disciples up and he says, I need to talk to you guys. And he starts, starts sharing these thoughts with them. 
And people start coming up and they start hearing us. And this is the first part that he shares. He goes to this and he says, you are the salt of the earth. But he says this, but what good is salt if it's, if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Will it be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. So he's reminding us, listen, you're some, there's something special about you. You're not just the salt, but you're also the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all those to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So he continues to go, and he's sharing this thought, and and this question rose up inside of me. And he said, the Lord basically said, do you realize you are created to do something amazing? And I sat there and I thought, you know, yeah, and, and, and it was amazing because the Lord took me from that point back to when I was very fresh being a Christian. I was really new at it. And I remember reading this scripture and thinking, I'm imagining myself as a lamp. And I'm like, okay, I'm a lamp, I'm shining light, but why would I hide my light? And I remember thinking about that. What does that mean to hide my light? What does that mean to be the salt of the world? What does that mean in this this context. And, and I remember thinking back to that, and I remember I was like stumped. And, and I'm a new Christian at this time, and I'm trying to figure it out, and I cannot figure it out. I just, and I'm like, Lord, I don't get it. I don't get it. Fast forward a few years. I'll just say a few years, because it's quite a few years. But anyways, it's just a few years, because, you know, they got bind together after a while. But anyways, the Lord starts sharing this story with me again. And I read this scripture that I've read probably 300 times because it's in the book of Matthew and that's the greatest book that's ever been written. And, you know, we love the book of Matthew. My name's Matthew, by the way, if you didn't know that. So anyways, it's, uh, and this is the point right here. I remember getting to this point again and again. So I get to this and the Lord says, tell me what salt is. And I said, it's a little white stuff. Sometimes you put it on food. He said, what's it do to the food? I said, it makes it taste better. He goes, that's what you're created to do. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, I created you to do something great in this world. And I said, think about salt. Now, the, thing, the cool thing about salt, and even salt and pepper, it changes everything by simply adding flavor. And so I thought about this, and I thought, you know, if you're barbecuing chicken, for example, if you're, if you're out there and you're barbecuing chicken, man, it smells really good. But the thing about it is you can't smell the salt or the pepper at all. You just smell the chicken. If I were to cook one piece that had salt and pepper on it and I cooked another piece that had nothing on it, you couldn't tell the difference by the smell. But when I cut it open, I let you taste it. I guarantee you're going to taste something different in that plain, bland, nothing of chicken versus the salt and pepper. It's amazing how much just a little bit of salt and a little pepper can change a piece of chicken. And I sat there, and the Lord was like, that's what we're created to do. And he said, when you start to imply what I have created in you to everything that you do, you just start layering it on. You start putting it on. He said, you don't just affect that person that you're looking at right now. You affect every person that's around you. You add flavor to their life, even though they may not know it today, 
You're bringing light into their world that they may not want to see what it's shining on, but the great thing about it is they're seeing something that they need to fix, and they have a decision whether I want to seek recovery or if I want to seek hiding again. I want to get out of this stuff. I can go to the light and I can get healed, or I can stay back in the darkness and continue to function the way that I'm going. And so I I started to think about this, and the Lord took me back to a place. My wife and I, we used to get this gift at this I don't know who it was, but I think it was an angel. Used to bring us a stuff called Christie's Crack. And I was like, what the heck is Christie's Crack? She said, it's incredible. We got to get this stuff. And so it was in this bottle. It was like, and and it was a mixture of all these salts and peppers. And I was like, this is kind of cool. And so one day I just thought, hey, I'm going to put this on chicken. And I put it on there and I grilled it. Oh my gosh. I I don't know what manna is, but I think manna is like a bunch of things in my mind. So it just makes sense. So I believe that was part of manna. I don't know, Christie's Crack, it did these things. And so um, it was amazing. I, I think I get why she called it Christie's Crack because we were so addicted to it. But um, it, it, was, it was one of those things that it took something that was just average and made it incredible. And he said, that's what I do. He said, I don't want to just have average marriages. I don't want to just have average children. I don't want to just have average employees. He said, I want to have great. I want to have the mighty. I want to have the best. I was reading a book today, and it was talking about a guy, um, for those of you that follow college football, he's the head coach of Clemson. His name's Dabo Sweeney. I don't know who in their right mind names a guy Dabo, but that's okay. He's done really well with it. He probably got a lot of kids named Dabo now because he's so good at what he does. But the, the greatest thing about Dabo Sweeney is not that he's, won all, that he's won the national championship, that he's done incredible with Clemson. The greatest thing about Dabo Sweeney is that he loves our Lord and Savior. That it is an absolute, genuine love that, that God, that I do everything for you. So in 2013, he gets hired as the new head coach. He goes from special teams coach to the head coach of Clemson University. 2013, nobody really knows who Clemson is at this point. They're not that good. They're, you know, unless you lived in South Carolina, you were kind of like, ah, they're not, they're not very good anymore. So he gets hired, and he goes to meet with the board of trustees. And he's sitting down, and one of the board looks at him and says, here's what I want to do. I want to have a program like this. And he names this big college. And he says, I want to be like they are. And he's sitting there, and Dabo's saying it to himself, don't say anything, don't say anything, don't say anything. And that's one of the worst things, because all of a sudden you're going to say it. So he he's just kind of splits out, and he goes, well, that's good for you to believe, but that's not enough for me to believe. And the guy looks at him, and, you know, this is a guy that just hired him that can fire him, like, the same moment. So he, he's looking at him, and he's like, what I mean, sir, is this. He said, that program is okay. I'm going for great. I don't want to be okay. I want to be great. My vision doesn't take me to where they're at. My vision takes me beyond, way beyond where they even think they can get to. Where we're going to go is going to be here. And he started describing these things. And the way that he described it was exactly the way that the Lord describes you and I. The problem is that we don't slow down enough to hear what God is truly saying about us. What God is saying about your marriage. What God is saying about your job. What God is saying about your relationship with your children. So many times we're moving so fast that we forget to slow down and hear his voice. Because the more that, we, that that trustee listened to Dabo Sweeney, the more that he started getting on board with what he was saying. The more he started believing those things. And it's the exact same thing with God. 
The more that you slow down and are able to hear the word of God that is spoken over you, that is continued, all of a sudden that flavor keeps coming in. And all of a sudden, you're not just this average person. You become what was natural, add supernatural to it. You become what was ordinary, becomes extraordinary. You become something so much greater. And this is what it comes back down to. It's through faith that we start moving. It's through faith that we start thinking. And it's through faith we start speaking. When we put these together, it changes everything. And this is what he's sharing and talking about. And, and when you talk about salt, when you talk about these things, in order to get salt, when you talk about salt water, the way that salt is extracted from salt water is it has to be boiled. When that water is boiled, then you can extract the salt from the water and clean it up. You can take that stuff out there, and that's where we get salt today. And so if you consider that this is how we get salt in the world, the Bible teaches us the same thing, that in order to do that, it has to exceeding the boiling point. Well, it's the same thing in our lives. Sometimes it's going to feel like a fire is underneath you. It's going to feel like that things are not going right. But you've got to remember this, that I'm not real thrilled with the idea that I've got to go through fires and trials and all these different things. But you know what? I'm okay with going through the trials knowing this, that if it, that's what it takes for me to recapture some of the salt in my life, then I'm okay with going through this fiery trial. But it takes time to get there. It takes a process of faith. It takes a process of walking through it. And so as you're sitting there thinking about this and looking at this, you've got to understand that the Lord says there are things that are going to come. This verse right here, in fact, cross-references over to Mark chapter 9. And I'm going to read it real quick. It's going to be on the screen. Mark chapter 9. Verses 49 and 50, it says this, For everyone will be tested with fire. Remember how you get salt out of water. It has to boil, right? Everybody's going to be tested with fire. And then it goes to verse 50. Salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live at peace with each other. What he's talking about is this. You were created for some incredible things. The, the, this idea... This understanding of being the salt of the world is not just an idea that you're, you're to be overbearing or you're, you're to be this. It's just enough salt. I remember when I was younger, my dad had, uh, unfortunately, there was, we went through some tough times and we were, my dad and my stepmom had gotten divorced. And so my dad was trying to cook for us and he was doing all this stuff and he bought, he bought instant potatoes kind of instant. I don't remember what it was. It was some type of potato thing, but it was like a hash brown casserole something. But he made one fatal mistake, fatal to the casserole. He went to put salt in there, and what he thought said TBS, or T whatever it is, it, it was TPS. Now, it called for two teaspoons. He put in two tablespoons. Now, for those of you that have cooked before, you know that's not a good combination. So me being a 10-year-old at the time, thinking, it's just salt. I eat salt on my fries all the time. They're incredible. They'll be good. It'll make things so much better. I took the first bite, and I was like, nope, that's too salty. Nope, that's that. I can't do it. I can't do it. I even convinced myself, no, it's really not that bad. And I took another bite. I was like, nope, I'm wrong again. That is not right. And so sometimes in life, we become like that too. When we become legalistic, religious, 
And all these things, we become overbearing with the salt that nobody wants to taste it. We have to find the balance in the, in the middle. We don't want nothing, and we don't want to go overbearing. So how do you do this? Well, you just live the life that God has given you today to live. You don't have to tell people they're wrong. You allow people to ask you the question to open the door for you to be able to share into their heart so that they're ready to hear. Because I will tell you this, if somebody came up to me today and said, you're wrong in this and this and this, I'm going to be honest, it's going to be hard for me to listen to what you're saying. Unless I have a ton of respect for who you are and what you're doing. But if I come to you and say, what do you think about this? I've opened the door for you to speak into my life. Add a little flavor into my life. And that's the difference, and that's what God is asking us to do. So when you think about this, sometimes we have to go into those fiery trials in order to bring the salt and the right amount of salt into our lives. T.D. Jake said this, the more frustrating the environment, the more fruitful the person. And think about those words. The more frustrating the environment, the more fruitful the person. Continue to do this thing. Because remember, the Bible teaches us that you have an enemy that does not like you. In fact, he hates you. In fact, he wants to kill you. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy everything. That's his goal in life. John 10.10 says, For the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, yet I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. When you think about those words and you understand this, the key is remembering who God is. It's not about the first part. But you know what? You're going to have people that will come into your life that will try to mess with you. You can win them over by love, or you can try to win them by hate. And I can tell you this, you're not going to be very successful in hate. But when you do it God's way, add a little bit of salt, you watch how it changes everything. It's a decision and a choice that we choose to make. And I want you to understand this. I started reading in John chapter 10, and I want you to follow along with me here. So if you have your Bibles, flip over to John 10. Because it's so important for us to understand this. We quote the scripture 10, 10. John 10, 10, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but yet I've come to give you life, life to the fullest. But I want you to listen to what he's talking about from the beginning to the end. John 10, 1 says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep recognize his voice and he comes to him. He calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out by the flock. Now that's one of the parts I was talking about earlier. The Bible says that my sheep will recognize my voice and I will know them by their name. In order to hear God's voice and what he's really saying about you, you need to get around the shepherd. Because the shepherd's voice is not meant to carry 10 miles away. The shepherd's voice is close. So you've got to get in close to the shepherd to hear what he's saying about you. So we continue on. And it says, after he gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Verse 6, those who heard Jesus use this illustration didn't understand what he meant, so he explained it to them. I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me were thieves and robbers, but the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. Verse 10, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them rich and a satisfying life. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. 
he will abandon the sheep because they do not belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks and he scatters the flock. Verse 13, the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So what I'm saying there is very simply, there's a lot of times that you have to find this within people. Sometimes we'll think that we've got it figured out. But when the going gets tough, we follow people and those people run. But God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He sticks closer than a brother. When we choose to follow into the shepherd, and I, I, I remember this illustration. One of the pastors that I listen to a lot, he, he used this illustration. He said, if I'm a sheep, he said, I don't want to be on the outside over here by myself. Because remember this, when you talk about the out, outliers, the sheep that are out on the outside, if you've ever watched like the Di- Discovery Channel, who, who do the lions attack? Which, which animals? The ones in the middle? No, the ones on the outside. And that's what a lot of times we do. The, we get distracted, we get pulled to the outside, and we think, we're okay, we're, I can see the shepherd. But he's saying, no, 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 no. It's not about seeing the shepherd, it's about hearing. Remember, he said, don't follow the voice. They won't follow those voices. The only way to hear someone is to be in earshot, which means you've got to get closer. So he uses this illustration. He's like, if, I, if I'm a sheep, I'm like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, working my way all the way in till I get next to the shepherd because I realize this, the, rep, the shepherd has a staff and that staff is to beat the animals that try to come and take me away. So the closer I get to the shepherd, the more protection that I have, the more life that I get to live, the more life I get to experience because the shepherd is gonna take care of me. Remember, Philippians 4, 19, he will take care of all, supply all of my needs. But that's only when I'm with him. I can't say I follow God and be way over there, walking my own path. And that's what it comes back down to. Stephen Furtick said this, maybe God wants to do something beyond your abilities. And sometimes it's, that's what limits us. But he comes back and he says, and he is far less intimidated by your failures and limits than you are. So a lot of times, what's the first thing we do? We explain what, why we're so bad. I can't do that because God is this and I'm this. But that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is come back to me, know who I am, get close to me. And it's by faith that we move, not by sight necessarily. And what it comes down to is we've got to get involved with what God is doing. When you're learning to be a blessing, to be the blessing of God, you've got to learn to be blessed by God. And it's a decision that you choose to get in close to the shepherd on these areas. We need to learn to stop talking ourselves out of things God has called us to do because that is the place where you'll tr- find the true blessing and the calling that God has for you. So as I was reading this, and due to time, I'm going to just close with this final thought right here. So as I was preparing for this, there's so many times in life, the Bible talks about that it says, run your race. Run your race. And run your race well. And when he's talking about these things, a lot of times when we think about races, we think about, you know, a sprint, I'm going to go here or there. Well, the thing about God is, it's not about a sprint, it's a marathon. If you go back and you study marathon runners, most, mar- most people that run marathons, if you were to guess which mile, if I was to say, pick a mile that you think most marathon runners would quit at, most people would say 23. So it's 26.2, right? 26. I'm looking at my wife. She's not nodding at me yet. So yes, we're going to say that. So 26 miles that you're going to run. So as 
you're running the race, most people would say, I don't know, like 15, 13. Somewhere in there, they're going to quit. Actually, where most marathon runners quit is mile 20. Now, you may say, well, why? Well, if you ever talk to somebody who's ever run a marathon, about mile 12, your body starts breaking down some things. You get to mile 13, 14, everything that your body's got inside of it has started to already physically break down. You're literally not meant to go farther, but, but your body, you can do things that your body says you can't do. And so as a runner, you learn to go beyond that. You, you find that spot that takes you to the next one. I always had a buddy told me, he said, my goal is to take another step. I said, what does that mean? He said, I take another step because I realize that step takes me one step closer to the finish line. So he said, it may not be a big step, but it's a step. And then I take another step and I take another step. And he said, there comes a point where you have to tell yourself, take a step because your body's saying, I'm not taking any more steps. So mile marker 20 is where most people quit. Well, the thing about it is most people in our lives get to that mile marker 20 in our everyday life. You get frustrated, you get upset, you get going, whatever it may be. There's things that happen and you're like, I'm done. I'm done. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's within your job. Maybe it's something else and you're like, I'm done with this. My race is over with this. My wife a few years ago ran in the Disney Marathon in Orlando, at Disney World. We got up at like 3 o'clock in the morning. Like, it was crazy. But we got there. It was really cold. And I, I went out there and I watched her run. So she takes off running. And I went back home and went to sleep. She kept running. I got up, brought the kids, and I came back, and I met her at the very end. This was like four and a half, five hours later. And so as she comes across the finish line, we found out later that she, I think she broke her foot in the middle of the race, but she kept going. She's crazy tough. But um, she, so she's going along, and, and she's telling me about this race. And she's telling me, I'm like, so tell me, how was it? Was it good? Was it hard? I mean, I, mean, I don't know. I've never run a marathon before. Tell me about it. And so she's talking about it. She said, you know, I got to a point where I thought I was going to quit. And she said, I got to this point and I was going and all of a sudden I looked up and she said, I saw this, this like person, like really tall, way up there. And I'm like, was it Jesus? Are you, I mean, like, are you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking, what, what is this? And she's like, no, 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 like, like I'm running and these, these people are on the sides of the street on like stilts and they're dressed up. And they're yelling and screaming and excited and all this stuff. And she said, I started watching them and I'm running. She said, I'm running and I'm looking at them. And I'm like, what are they doing? And she said, I forgot about my foot. And I forgot about my body hurting. And I just kept going. And she said, I ran and they cheered me on and I got a little bit more energy. And I went a little bit farther. And she said, I was coming to the next mile and my body was hurting again. And all of a sudden I looked up and she said, there was Goofy. Goofy was running around and he was excited and he was high-fiving, he was cheering people on and he said, she said, I, I was more excited. She said, then I'm coming along and, and my body's wearing down again, I'm at the next mile and I'm like, I don't know and, and all of a sudden I can hear this music and there's this band that's playing up there and all of a sudden this band is playing like great music and we're going along and she said, I got a little bit more energy and she kept going and she kept going and she started talking about it. At mile 17, Every mile, Disney realized that we can keep the runners going if we'll take their mind off the pain. And they realized that if I can get them from here to here, 
they'll get a little bit farther. And if I can get it from here to here, they'll get a little bit farther. If I can get it from here to here, and eventually she said, I made it to the finish line. And I remember thinking, how did you do it? And she said, because I was distracted for a moment, and it gave me a little bit more energy. And so my thought for you tonight, and my thought for me, every one of us get to that mile marker 20 point where we feel like we want to quit. Maybe it's at life in general. But God is here tonight to tell you this. Focus on me because I'm going to teach you how to get a little bit farther. Just a little bit farther. Just trust me with this. When you trust me in these areas, watch what I do. Remember, you're the salt of the world. You're the light of the world. That you're created to be the head. That you're not created to be the last. You're created to be the leader. You're created for something amazing. And this is what God is saying to us. Keep going. Keep fighting the good fight. Keep running the race. Because tonight may be your 20th mile. But it's time to get to the 21st. And you watch how God will do it and finish the race strong. Amen. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.